Some might say Bronson Arroyo. That dude can sing his ass off. And uh, it is of the title track, Some Might Say. That means the song is Some Might Say. On the album, Some Might Say. We're going to get to Bronson Arroyo in just a second here. But you can win a pair of tickets to Impractical Jokers at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse June 3rd at 7.30 p.m. Just text the word SLAM to 20357 by the end of the hour to get registered to win. Text and data rates may apply. Complete rules available at 923thefan.com. So we played, uh, some might say, by Bronson Arroyo and the 04 because Bronson Arroyo, longtime major league pitcher, now a very well beloved musician of his own right on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Bronson, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Well, congrats on the new music, man. Um, I, I guess we can start here. 18 years between albums, am I right on this? <laughs> yeah, but you know what's kind of funny, man, is I don't think of it in that way. Only reason is because the first album I put out was a bunch of cover songs, right? And I had never really intended to write at the time. Um, I didn't feel like I was seasoned enough in in the in the music industry, really, to to write my own songs that I'd want to hear on the radio. I mean, you would write. I would write occasionally where you'd go to an elementary school or a hospital, and you'd be talking directly to you know fourth graders, which that's easy to write very directly. You know, eat your fruits and vegetables. But to write something that I wanted to hear on the radio. I had never really thought about until 2018. And so for me, it feels like this is my first album, although it is my second. So, Bronson, when did you get into music? I mean, I assume you've been playing baseball your whole life. So was this something that you just had? Was it a hobby or you just had a you knew you had a a knack to do music, play music? No, it was around my house a lot. You know, I was playing, you know, I was in the weight room as a kid lifting ridiculous amounts of weight. I mean, I have DVDs of me as an eight year old kid. I'm maxing out on squat, bench, and deadlift. I weigh 60 pounds, and I deadlift 235, squat 255, and bench 130. Like, stuff you've never seen anywhere on planet Earth. And and so I was so entrenched into baseball as a kid, I, I really couldn't think outside that box to be dealing with music, but music was in my household. My grandmother was a music teacher for about seven decades in the Keys, and when I was at her house, you would hear the orchestra playing, and my father was singing in bands out of high school, and he was always singing in the car. So there was always music around, but it didn't really touch me until I was in high school when that sound of Seattle came out, the Pearl Jam, the Stone Temple Pilots, Nirvana, you know, Soundgarden. That's what really turned me on. And so while I was in the minor leagues, somebody handed me an acoustic guitar when I was 22. And it just became an idea of like, I want to hear a Matchbox 20 song come out of my fingers to I'd like to present this to my friends around a campfire to an open mic night to playing in a cover band. And it's just a slow evolution over time of getting comfortable on the stage. Bronson, you mentioned uh, some some music that me and our board up talk about a lot. As a matter of fact, he just reminded me of Bad Motor Finger. I was just jamming on that all friggin' week long. So I got to know, like, what was the album? I, I know you're a big Pearl Jam fan, but was like, what was the first album that that got you feeling some sort of way when it comes to music? Oh, uh, when I heard "Creep," the song "Creep" by Stone Temple Pilots uh, in 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 '92. It just uh, it just blew my mind. It was it was you know I'd listened to the Mamas and the Papas and the Beatles and and you know Elton John and all these great artists like James Taylor, but 
all that music sounded like they were trying to be sweet and, and to hear Creep by Stone Temple Pilots and he just hear the darkness in the songs. It wasn't necessarily a match for my personality, but for some reason it just resonated with me and it just felt like it was coming from a real truthful place. And then to hear Alice in Chains and then to hear Nirvana and hear Pearl Jam, it just, um, there was something in those lyrics and in those stories that seemed like they were more honest and more true and not being conjured for radio. And so that's where my brain went initially musically. And then I started working my way backwards to a guy like Tom Petty and to, you know, Led Zeppelin and to, to Pink Floyd. And, and now I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a mixture of all those influences. Bronson Arroyo, longtime big leaguer. He's got a, a new album out here uh, with his band, Bronson Arroyo, in the 04. Uh, the album and the, the track we kind of played coming in here, as some might say, he's on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. So it's interesting. Like, I don't know, I don't know if you do music the same way I do. Like, I, I listen to a lot of the same stuff I did when I was younger, but I, I just continue expanding and branching out in different areas. So, like, what are the bands going right now, young bands? Or are there any that that you kind of have found that kind of uh, kind of satiate that need for new music? Yeah, you know, in the rock world, it's very difficult right now. You know, it's it's strange me putting out a rock album because you just you know you think about it. Sometimes you look on the Grammys and you see how small the category is now, and you think back twenty years ago, how many how many more rock albums were out there? But I'd say in the last few years, I mean, it's been probably six or seven or eight now. They're not super young anymore, but the Lumineers have have been probably my number one for a long time now. I mean, they are just live or just so amazing. And every song on the record, you can just listen to it, no matter if you're driving in the car or just kind of cleaning the house. For, for me, they have been the best band going for a long time. Can I give you just a small recommendation on a two-piece yeah. band out of California that I friggin' love? Yeah, no doubt. They're called Deep Valley. All right. And... Uh, I can't. I, can't, I don't think I can actually say the album that I fell in love with them on, but I'm just going to tell you, uh, you can thank me later on social media or some other way. <laughs> and it's called, you said Deep Value? Uh, Deep Valley. Oh, Valley, Valley, okay. Yeah. All right, I made a note of it, man. It's always nice to find. It's always nice to find new stuff, and there's so, you know, th there's so much music out there being popped up now on iTunes, and and a lot of people aren't doing it from a major label. So it's it's sometimes it's hard to find these these bands unless you really delve into you know a certain place in Pandora and and keep listening to what they're suggesting, you know, along the lines of whatever you started listening to. Yep, Bronson, it's interesting. I mean, a lot of guys, you know, they retire from playing the game. You played for a long time. What seventeen seasons ish? Seventeen, eighteen seasons is yeah. incredible, right? And then you now have a new career, which is amazing because a lot of guys struggle to find out what they're they're going to do. Um, I guess with that being said, do you miss baseball at all? Yeah, a little bit. You know, I was in the locker room the other day with the guys in spring training and, and uh, played some songs for the guys in the Reds, and they were having a little bit of a talent competition for the young guys. And, and you know, that, that the shenanigans that go on, man, and just being part of the boys' club and traveling with the, kind of this circus, uh, that's, those are the things you miss. You know, I, I miss competing a little bit. But you don't. What you don't miss is taking care of your body. You know, for about thirty years, I did nothing but think about what my right arm felt like and make sure you don't sleep on it. And you're constantly bouncing your elbow and being like, "Does that feel good today?" You know. And I don't. I don't miss that part. But you definitely miss, you know, just showing up to a big league ballpark and smelling the fresh cut grass, man, and shagging some fly balls. And it's sometimes why in Cincinnati I'll just go to the park and and hang out with the clubhouse guys and clean the shoes and walk out on the field and just you know feel what it feels like to be out there because it was my life's work and a lot of times. You don't realize your life's work when you're an athlete is going to end so soon. I got to play for, you know, 22 seasons, part part of them in the minor leagues and most of them in the big leagues. But even then, it just felt like it went by in the blink of an eye sometimes. Bronson Arroyo on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. I do So 
I've heard this said a lot. I don't know if this will resonate with you, but whether it what regardless of the sport, I've always heard of athletes, you know, say that that first year or two after the game, I had to go away. I I couldn't be around it. It was too too familiar and I couldn't play my part in that anymore. When you retired, you know, did did you have to spend some time away from baseball before wait, making your way back to the game or have you just kind of, you know, I don't say never left because you did leave, but you know, was it not that uh, that that was it more clean of a break? Yeah, you know, I feel like my relationship with the game is about where it was when I retired. You know, I've I have stepped away from the game. I still go to the ballpark probably you know ten, twelve, fifteen times a year to whether it's doing an event down there or just saying hi to the guys in the clubhouse and hanging out and watching five innings in the locker room, but. Um, you know, I felt like I got everything out of my body that I possibly could have. I was 40 years old. My shoulder had been tore. My elbow had been um, broke as well and had surgery on both of them. And I, I felt like I'd sucked all the magic out of my body and, and I was at the end of the line. So because of that, I was really satiated by walking away from the game. And now had, had, had that happened to me when I was 33 and I felt like I had five years left in the tank, I would have been absolutely destroyed by it. You know, it would have, been, it would have drove you crazy. But because I felt like I came what I, you know, I came to the game thinking if I could survive 10 years, that'd be awesome. And, you know, I wind up playing for 15, 16, 17 in the big leagues and, and the rest of them in the minor leagues. And when I walked away, I was, I was really content to do that. Bronson, we do have to get you to weigh in on this. Uh, this show is uh, staunchly in support of opening day. All right. And opening day to us means that, you know, games start at one and maybe the latest game starts four. at seven. Maybe, yeah, maybe maybe four. It's it's day, not yeah, night. It's day. And this year, the Guardians start out in Seattle. It's a 10-10 first pitch. Is baseball ruining uh, opening day for all Clevelanders. I'm just going to ask a loaded question. Are they ruining opening day by having a 10-10 first pitch for a uh, East Coast team? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm saying yes, and I'm blaming yes. it all on Terry Francona. <laughs> yes! <laughs> no, no, Terry's one of my favorite managers i ever had, man. I just can't believe he's still out there doing it. But, yeah, it's a, it's a bummer, man. You know what? When you come off of spring training, you've been playing all these day games. Opening day feels like the sun should be out. People should be cracking a, a cold beer kind of early in the day. You know, night games, as the season goes on, start feeling more familiar. But, but like you said, opening day, I'd rather have the sun up. So, Bronson, you spent some time with Tito, of course. Uh, here on this show, we, we've got our own impersonations. They're not great. Breaking ball. Borny. So, what? I, I guess I want to ask you two things. Number one, can you, do, can you do a Tito impersonation? And number two, uh, how does Tito shorten your name to give you a nickname? Wow. Tito, you know, back in the Red Sox days, I had a bunch of different... Um, Bronson. A bunch of different uh, uh, nicknames, and none of them were really none of them would really stick. It was like year to year. I think, yeah, one time he was calling me nails, and then he was calling me tax, and then my childhood <laughs> name was 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 Flacco because I was so skinny my whole career, and I, he probably called me that a little bit too. But I never really. And then there's this other one called it was like called Saturn Nuts. They started calling me Saturn Nuts because because <laughs> in Boston. <laughs> In Boston, they, we had this like boosters group that used to send in these uh, postcards to us, and they would send them in to me and say, "Oh man, you're you're like 27 years old pitching in Yankee Stadium, and you've got balls the size of Saturn." And they write Saturn nuts was my nickname, so it was like a, you know, it was like a, you'd have all these strange nicknames, and none of them really ever stuck. But you know, Tito was a guy who just was so loose in the locker room. You felt like he was another player. You just really always enjoyed being around him. It's why he's still in the game today. I mean, there's no way you could survive that long without people really enjoying you as a person. But as far as a an impersonation, man. The only way to do a Tito impersonation is to take a big old wad of gum and a big old wad of tobacco, mix them together, and stick them in the side of your lip, and then try to talk. And then, and then you can sound like Tito. 
So Bronson, I do have to, do you have a favorite memory of playing for Tito and being around him? Because we love Tito stories on this uh, on this show. Uh, one of my favorite was man. I'm I'm up in the weight room in 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 Fenway Park one day, and it's just near the end of the season, and you know that's when when football season starts and everybody starts doing doing the betting and the gambling, and and uh, Tito runs up one day and he's like. He's like, Bronson, he's like, where's Millar at? Where's Millar? And I'm like, why? What's wrong? What's wrong? The game was about to start. We were playing the Yankees. And he said, I need to make a trade with him on my football team in my fantasy league. And I was like <laughs> laughing, just laughing that we were about to play the Yankees and Tito's like intent on getting his fantasy league dialed in. <laughs> That's fantastic. Bronson, we hear all the time the impact Tito has on on locker rooms. And, and you know, you kind of touched on a little bit, but what – you know, in terms of his role versus like this, the archetypical yeller and screamer manager. Like, what is what is Tito's role on a team, and why is he able to get so much out of teams year in and year out, like he is here in Cleveland? Yeah, you know, he's he just doesn't he he, he takes the game serious, but he doesn't take himself that serious, and he doesn't he's not a guy who gets up like you said and just screams and rips guys' heads off. It happens once a year, twice a year at the very most, but he normally. You know, he's just so mild-mannered, man. He's just a jokester. He loves to, to have a laugh. And he's he's there like the guys, like another player. You know, he's kind of directing the ship, but he does it in a way that you feel like you're sitting side-by-side side with him, not like he's in the office and you're segregated from him. And I think as time has gone on, as he's had success in the game, you know, because when he came to Boston, he had not had success in Philly. So I think he was under the gun a little bit. But after we got over the hump in 04 and then went in the one in 07, you know, it's like the monkey was off his back. And ever since then, he can just be himself, relax, and he makes you feel that way. And you want to play for a guy like that because you just feel like you're playing for kind of like a, a good time Charlie Uncle man who's really just got he's there for, for the same reason you're there and you hope to win a World Series. Bronson, we we obviously played some of this, uh, some of your new album here coming back, but we were listening to it kind of in the weeks leading up because our producer Keith brought this up to our attention. Uh, you got a great sound, man. It's so great to see uh, a player have such a great career and be fulfilled after the game as well. So congrats on everything, man. Congrats on the new album and uh, look forward to, to seeing you around town here. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. These stories are all out of my mind, man. You know, I, I hope people can listen to the record and feel the authenticity. When we recorded this thing, we wanted it to be a little loose. We wanted people to feel like there was five guys in a room that were making this album. It wasn't so slick and perfect. And, um, you know, I was thinking about Tom Petty when we did that, and I hope people get that when they listen to it. So if people wanted to, whether it's buy vinyl or, you know, just stream on, where can people find your album? You can stream it anywhere you want. Um, you know, anywhere you get your music, you can buy it on iTunes. Um, you can find it on, on Amazon. Uh, you can go to talkshop.live if you want to find, get an autographed copy of it. They're still selling some of those that I'm signing here at the house. And uh, anywhere you find music, usually you should find it. You a vinyl guy? I should have asked that earlier. Yeah, I love vinyl, man. You know, it's weird. I, I've always enjoyed vinyl just, you know, maybe not for the perfection in, in, in the way that it sounds, but just to have an object spinning in a circle like that, that is just, it's so mind-boggling how it's even invented, for one. Like, who thought of that idea? And to hear, I still haven't heard my record on vinyl because vinyl's backed up because it's so popular these days. That's going to be another few months. But uh, just to hear that coming out of a speaker after with, with this disc just spinning around with the needle drop down on it mm. is absolutely fantastic. I can't wait to hear the record the first time. You have a favorite album on vinyl? Um... Wow, favorite record on vinyl. It's always it's always a Pearl Jam record, man. It's probably <laughs> it's probably versus by Pearl Jam, yeah. Excellent stuff, buddy. Hey, you've been so gracious with your time. Thank you so much, man. And uh, again, continued good luck in, in music. Thank you. I appreciate it, guys.